0: This is the We Make Success Happen podcast with Matt Callanan. This is the We Make Success Happen podcast with Matt Callanan.
1: Hello, welcome to the We Make Success Happen podcast. We Make Success Happen podcast. My name is Matt Callanan. I'm a former international DJ and musician, turned filmmaker with We Make Film Happen, and founder of the kindness project We Make Good Happen. With each episode of this podcast, we meet inspiring people from all walks of life, adventurers, business owners, artists, musicians, coaches, and people making the world a better place. We discover what takes them to the next level so you too can live a fulfilled and successful life. We want to help you make success happen. Coming up on today's episode is Dillis Price OBE, the world's oldest female skydiver in the world. At 87, she is full of wise words and wisdom and only gave up solo skydiving last year. Hear how she set up the Touch Trust charity at age 74. Why skydiving became the parable for living? Her close calls on several skydives. Why pushing the boundaries is really important. The keys to happiness. And the best advice she's ever been given. The We Make Success Happen podcast is kindly brought to you by We Make Film Happen. Before we dive in, this podcast is kindly made possible by my video company, We Make Film Happen. We filmed everyone from Richard Branson to George Clooney. We filmed bands on top of igloos, through to filming adventurers going up active volcanoes. We also specialize in helping influencers and six, seven, eight, and potentially nine figure business owners get to the next level through powerful video. So if you want an amazing message through video, we can definitely help and we work all around the world. If you're interested, give me a shout. I'm on hello at WeMakeFilmHappen.com. This is the We Make Success Happen podcast with Matt Callanan. This is Dilys Price OBE. Hello and welcome to We Make Success Happen podcast today with amazing human Dillis Price OBE. Hello, hello. I'm so grateful that you've come down to our new studio as well. Well, I'm really looking forward to it.
0: <laughs> I like getting out.
1: <laughs> so you've got a good long list of achievements. The OBE, yeah. Your charity that you set up, yes, Touch Trust. Yes, very you're a teacher. Of. Yes, the a world's dance teacher dance teacher, the world's oldest female skydiver in the world. Yes,
0: and the oldest skydiver in Great Britain.
1: Really? Yes,
0: or I was. I mean, I've stopped doing solos now. I sold my parachute last year. I still do tandems, but uh, that was a good life.
1: And Lifetime Achievement Awards as well. Yes, yes.
0: National Diversity Lifetime Achievement Award, which I'm very proud of. And that was about eight or ten years ago. And also the one for Disability Sport Wales, Lifetime Achievement for that, which I'm very proud of, because we were right at the beginning of the Paralympics. And there was such a different attitude then. And now things have changed so much. And I feel that me and my students, because they're very much part of it, were part of this pioneering beginning
1: so out of all of those amazing things what's been the thing that's brought you the most joy
0: most joy skydiving but if you like the 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 most sense of value and joy in another way the touch trust because we did change attitudes completely but you know I think it's rather hard to say what give me the most joy they all give me joy yeah. And actually, I mean, walking in the lane with my little dog and seeing the weeds with the flowers on them give me joy. I suppose giving joy is when you feel that you're putting a spark into other people and igniting a flame or helping the flame or for oneself. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. If we talk about the skydiving, what yeah. age did you get into skydiving oh, then? when I was 54. Mind you, to be <laughs>
0: honest, I was skiing, I yeah. was canoeing, I was windsurfing. I had my own windsurf, which I used to put on top of the car and take down to the horse call. But I don't do any of these things to elite level. And I just say to my students, I'm somebody who loves movement and will push for doing moving and doing fun things and doing things that push your boundaries, but you don't do very well. And I'm a great believer in that. You know, the elite, we need a place for the elite, for the, 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 the horses that can <laughs> trot very well. But we need a place for people to enjoy moving. In fact, it's essential that we start teaching children to move and to enjoy doing things, doing outdoor pursuits, doing ski, do, even though they're not going to do them very well. That way we teach them resiliency. And if you like, that's if you had, if I was a fairy godmother, that is the one gift I would give to children and old people.
1: Why? What's the power of movement then?
0: Well, moving, you're in touch with yourself. I mean, we are meant to move. We are physical beings. So at every level, I mean, it gets the endorphins going. It makes you push outside your comfort zone a little. It makes you feel good and that you then go on pushing your comfort zone a little bit more. It's essential. And also it teaches them that when they fall and they bloody their knees, they get back on. And try again. You know, it's essential. Children now have to go to things that they have to pay. Now, that makes me very sad. I mean, what about the many children who don't have the money? Mm. Now, then, there's no place for them to go now. There are less fields. There are no streets where you can play football. And it's the essential thing, both to be healthy so that when they get older, their muscles have this muscle memory, but also to have this sense of joy. So mm. I think the sense of joy comes through getting the endorphins going, and you get that through a sport, but you also get it through connection. But even a smile gets the endorphins going. You know, let's be physical, let's be joyful, let's have hope.
1: You no, know, let's go for it. With a skydiving, what age did you, if you don't mind me asking, what age did you sort of knock that on the head then?
0: I believe that we have two instincts: survival, but service also, and that we don't—we're not really in a well-being situation unless we fulfil both those. And if you like, it's the levels. You know, we were just cave, cave dwellers. And we were just having to chase animals to get food and to get warmth. But we are moving beyond that. There are other levels. And the spiritual level is another sort of level. And we are spiritual as well as physical. That's the unique thing about, I think, us. And so we want to move into that area as well. And so I did the skydive to raise money for our charity, Mm. which was working with children who had who are vulnerable in different ways. And we had had a sports club for them. We took them out of pursuits. We took them to gymnastics. We took them to the Special Olympics, which actually I started in Wales, which is great. So they needed some money. And I said to my students, oh, you've done a, a walk, you've done a concert. What you need to do is a skydive. And, of course, if they were going to do it, there's no doubt about it, I had to do it because i have to lead from the front. <laughs> yeah. And I was terrified. Yeah. So although I enjoyed skiing and other things like that, maybe they'd led me in those things. If they were going to do skydiving, I had to do it again. But for me, it was my destiny. When I came down, I just said, sign me up. I was in love with skydiving. And that gave me a fantastic or oh, 20 years, 30 years even, although right at the end, I think my, I wasn't challenging myself quite as much because your skills aren't quite as good. But my good, and was it a parable for living? Because after that, I started The Touch Trust.
1: Oh, it was after, was it? Yes. Yeah, okay. And
0: I think the courage that I learned skydiving, there's no doubt about it, I was terrified every time. You know? <laughs> every time? Just about. Yes, I was <laughs> yeah. terrified every time at different levels. But, you know, you've got to get that rip cord pulled out and the reserve, not the reserve, but the main up there. So they say your blood pressure goes up when you get changed, goes up a bit more when you go into the plane, yeah. goes up even more as you jump out. But it's as it highest when you pull your rip cord and you're waiting for the parachute to open. And you've got seconds then.
1: Oh, is it seconds?
0: Oh yeah, because really? of, yes. it's not a
1: split second. It is seconds. It is seconds because
0: oh, wow. <laughs> you have to think and get it right. So you have to. You've got twists, and you decide. You make a decision. I can kick out of those. You have a twist, and you think I can't kick out of those. I've got to jettison it and go for my reserve. It's seconds, and you're. You have. You've got no time to wonder if this is the right thing. And I think that's the thing I love. In fact, I used to wait to the last second. And in fact, some of the video um, <laughs> men would actually just say, you know, you leave it at the last second. And even now, I think of that moment as the ecstatic moment. It opens, you've done it, you've faced death and you've avoided it. It's silly, isn't it? <laughs>
1: So has there been any close calls then? Oh, yes. Has there? Oh, yes. Like what? So I've must have been the closest call then? I've
0: had, I've had some reserve rides. Um, I've had a reserve ride in Arizona. And that time I was on a round reserve and I was landed amongst the cacti, which meant that apart from the fact... Oh, <laughs> well, no. Yeah. Apart from the fact that you had to go for the reserve because it didn't open properly, I knew that it was in twists. And then you had to come down on a round parachute and avoiding all the cacti. And I think even one of the German elite athletes i think he was in the team um i remember he was spending the day with them all picking out the little pins but as well as that i've had twists which i couldn't kick out of because there were too many yeah and that moment was terrifying in the sense that it was right to the wire i was getting lower time was passing i was pulling to release my mane because I knew that I couldn't get out of the twists. Mm. And because there were so many twists, I couldn't release the main. And actually, when I landed, they found burn marks on the lines because of the twists. Mm-hmm. And that was, I was probably 500 feet from the ground. And I remember thinking, I've gone through this door before. I didn't have any panic at all. Really? But a bigger desire to live. But it was a case of, oh yes, this door's coming. And I'm not going to go through it because I'm not ready to die. But I wasn't tired, afraid of
1: it. How did you stay so calm then?
0: Well, I don't know. I think you know the wonderful thing about anything where you push the boundaries is you find resources in yourself that you didn't find otherwise. Um, and I suppose, I mean, you find resources in in the world of business, etc. When you go to the edge. And actually, I just love going to that edge. I don't know. I loved it, loved it, loved it. You know, I can't tell you how much I loved it.
1: (laughs) So how many, do you call them jumps? Or how many jumps did you? Skydives. Skydives. How many skydives did you do then?
0: Well, (laughs) 1,139. And I did the the last three when I was was 85. And that's way over what anyone else had done. You know, any woman anyway. But, um, and I'd go on doing it. Now, the last time I jumped, I nearly went in. That was another terrifying experience.
1: What do you you mean when you nearly went in?
0: Well, I nearly didn't survive. Really? Why? What happened there? Because I had thought, 85, I've got more time. I'm not so involved in the Touch Trust, which I'd started, of course, when I was 70, 74. And I thought, now I'll spend more time doing the working on my skydiving. Because, of course, I came second in the freestyle um, British parachute games when I was 64 <laughs> really? so, yes, yeah, so I used to work at it I mean, yeah. I was always aiming to do another sequence or to do and it's like driving a very fast car It's very radical. So if you do a pirouette or you do a stand-up or you do a back loop, you know, it's 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 really More difficult than on the ground and that's in one sense So I thought I've got plenty of time now I'm going to give some more time and really work at my skydiving, but of course I was older I was now 85. I wasn't as fit because, I mean, for one thing, I suppose the touch trust had taken over a lot of my energy. And I went into a back loop, which I didn't complete properly, ended on my back spinning. Now, you do know how to get back onto your stomach and you do know how to stop the spin. But it wasn't happening. I couldn't stop it. And I remember shouting to myself, you've got to stop it now. And I still didn't stop, and then gradually I had turned over and the spinning stopped because, of course, when you pull your parachute, you don't want to be spinning because that's another thing. So it had just stopped in time, and I was still at 2,200, which is what you're supposed to not go under. Really, I pulled my mane, I came down, and I thought I should stop now because my skills aren't good enough. And I don't want to go on doing it more and more badly and just, you know, so so I did give up then.
1: How did you feel knowing that was maybe your last skydiver? Well, I
0: think I just knew it was time, yeah. And the thing about it, of course, is it takes all your energy. I mean, you know, you think about it beforehand, you you plan it, you get nervous, you're fearful, you're excited. You know, it takes a, a whole lot of Energy in the week really and I think I felt it was time to give my energy to other things and That's what's happening. We went off I managed to go to Japan and take the program to Japan last year and that took a lot of doing to get that We've now on the process of doing more of that because I've got someone who is Japanese who's training to do the program I want very much to look at the problem of aging and people who are in care homes and are not respected, don't have a project, are uh, low on fun and variety. And something's got to be done about it, because I think that we've got to live until we die. And, I mean, it's no, we're, we're now we, we, we work on improving people's lives when, and their youth and when they're young, but we've got to do it till right to the day they die. And it's a national scandal at the moment that we're not doing it properly. And it's partly Western that we don't respect people as they get older. And, of course, when people are younger, they have a purpose in life. They have children. They have to survive, and that's a wonderful purpose. But when you get older, you know, your family have gone. You're not in work. It's very easy to begin to be a little bit down. We cannot do it because there are ways around it, and that is to have a project, to have a passion, to be with people who are enlivened, um, to have respect and listen to, and to encourage them to keep that flame going it's got to be done mm.
1: so is it the touch trust that you're trying to take to japan then
0: yes it'll be we'll call it touch trust japan i think
1: <laughs> why japan then and do you want to talk about what touch trust actually does then
0: oh well i mean touch trust is just a wonderful program it's based on sensory multi sensory activities now when i was teaching and i would go into a special school i'd see children And they would be in perhaps with five of them and one teacher or 10 of them and a teacher and a carer. And I realized that you need to touch, you need to connect. And that connection, when you're very, very disabled, must be through touch to begin with. And then it can be through sound. So clapping may be praising. It can be through sight. So you make sure that the decoration is wonderful and it can be through smell so you get sense mm. so it's got to be multisensory. otherwise they it will enter into their own world and they'll either retreat or become in order to get some activity perhaps hyperactive mm. and when i started doing this with my students who are wonderful we went to ed hospital before the, the the days the bad old days and we found miracles happening so we just went on working at it and eventually Got into the Wales Millennium Centre, where it just revolutionised children and adults who were isolated because of the uh, extreme special needs. Might be physical, hmm. and it might be mental, and it might be behaviour. No, we didn't turn anyone away. So we had a, a program which worked, and that's unique and is still unique and still works. So that even though I've retired, I see that for people at a certain place, will never connect with society unless they have this program. And then with luck, they will go on to perhaps dance drama or art or other things. Others will stay at that level, but it makes them happy, gives them a sense of well-being and connection, which nothing else does. And it's based on the movement program of Laban, who was the father of modern dance. Martha Graham was one of his pupils. So it's very much based on the arts, and it's very, very, very successful. And it gives, well, it's wonderful. So much so that it goes on being wonderful. Mm -hmm. You know, we have taken it to um, India, where we worked in the Dalai Lama School for Special Needs, and they just want it so much, but we haven't got the money to take it over at the moment. And I went to Hong Kong, where they actually, the English-speaking school did start the program with us, but we actually didn't quite have enough funding to stay with them so if you like my passion hmm. is that i continue this program and that we take it where we have already taken it into work with dementia where it was so successful and it needs to be still done so it's under the auspices of the touch trust and it will perhaps we'll have strands going into all these different places
1: that's a good legacy to have isn't it
0: fantastic legacy Makes me happy, you know? <laughs> um, and I mean, there's no doubt about it, that as you get older, you can sometimes get up in the morning and feel, ah, oh, here's another day, my limbs are aching. But then I remember my many, many, many friends who got have got a light in their eye now, and of course, not only them, but the parents and the carers are also transformed. Mm. And it's so simple, but it's so important. And for me, that has to be my legacy. And I have, in the sense that I have to go on giving my energy to that until the day I die.
1: Mm. What sort of change, I suppose, did you see through well, Touch Trust with everyone that kind of the, came in?
0: The light in the eye, and I mean, mm. we have we have so many uh, testimonials from parents. Parents will say. I've seen her smile for the first time. That makes me happy. Another one will say, um, You'll never know what you've done for us. I mean, I can think of, for instance, one young lady who was very challenging behavior and had learning difficulties. Her beautiful sister looked after her and still does. And she was so disruptive that she was turned away from many care homes. She comes to touch trust. There's a smile on her face. In the morning, she looks at her sister who says, touch, trust, and claps because that very much a signal. And she's completely different. Now, you see, if someone loves you, you feel good. And in this connection, we are there mm-hmm. as a partner, not superior, not a teacher, not a therapist, but we're dancing with them. We look into our partner's eyes. We use our energy to be with them. And life is transformed, because at one time I thought, well, we're only meeting once a week. That doesn't matter, because when you're in love with someone, if you don't see them every day, but you're different. And what, you're, what is different is you've been respected, you've been loved, you've been appreciated. Now, one of the things we would say is, where you are is right. So in this program, nothing would be wrong. So that, you know, for instance, I can think of a young man who had severe kidney trouble, and he had severe learning difficulties. And he would spit and kick. So he was a real problem. And if you open the door, he would run away. So two carers would be going after him. Now, we thought, let's try him coming to our program. And in the program, you always have a partner. So he came to our program. And, of course, it wasn't long before he was spitting or kicking. But we would clap him and praise him. Now that sounds, and at first, carers would not be certain about this, mm-hmm. but it said within the context of this hour, which would start in a certain ritual and end in a certain ritual, and then he began to feel, oh, oh, what I did then was all right. And we would clap him, and then he began to play the drums, and he began to that's what he adapted it to. So sort of banging and banging, and then in the end, he became part of us completely. So where they are as good, everything we do, we want to be praised for, we want to be approved of, we want to be appreciated, even if it's not quite right. We, if somebody can say, "Well, I know you tried hard and you didn't get it right, but you know that you did, uh, you tried your best," that helps us. Now you can't when we're working with severe learning difficulties, you can't. Um, philosophize in that way it's right or wrong and they're used to things going wrong and actually being given a row or being disapproved of um so one of the things we do let's say for instance we have somebody with challenging behavior and halfway through the program they're going to do something which is going to harm somebody else they're going to throw a big drum or something we will then say good i can see that you now want to go and we will clap them out say we'll see you next week And it always works. So the next week they might be able to find that they can stay within the group a little bit longer and a little bit longer. Sometimes we've even gone to the car, say perhaps they won't get out of the car. So we'll go to the car and we'll take the the beginning things which is playing the bells, Mm -hmm. the Tibetan symbols, which means they don't have to do much and they've only got a blink and we can make it, make a beautiful sound. And so we'll start in the car. And then gradually they will begin to feel a little bit more able to join us. Because everyone wants to join in, but they haven't got the skills. Mm. So you know, it is miraculous, and that's why they still come to us, even though we have a lot of difficulties financially. And still, the still, the schools train their staff, so we have provider members who then go on doing it in their school. So that and, and the care homes. So we've got probably a th- at least a thousand. People who are taking part in our program weekly, mm. and then some come to the centre as well. But it is—it's amazing. I mean, and nothing has surpassed it. And we use breathing, we use a massage, we use uh, energy. Elvis Presley, we use drums. We, <laughs> Elvis we have, Presley, yeah. yeah. We have a we have a format. You see, yeah. mindfulness comes into it, not under that name. So we start in a certain way. We start in a circle, and everyone is welcomed and clapped and named and perhaps touched if they want to be. And we go, the Tibetan symbols we find is good because they will always make a beautiful sound. So that even if someone is not able to begin with, to move their hand, we'll make that sound. And then we find that they become more able so that almost always they get to the stage where they actually can focus and make that sound and others even move on. We bring breathing into it so that there's a relaxation next to the beginning so it means the carers become stress released because they themselves are anxious and tense Mm -hmm. usually you see and then from there we go into energy stroking which it works although it sounds as if it's a bit hocus pocus lots of people see our sessions and think oh this is a bit crazy and then we go into a movement into a massage touch with our partner, whatever they want. We're looking at them, we're looking at them. We may be stroking their arm, they don't want that. We may be just holding their shoulder, they want that. Maybe we want to touch their feet and they like that. So we, 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 we work as to what they want. And then over the 10 minutes they relax, can't help it. They've been given this touch and this massage, this energy, stroking, whatever they like. We've just been telling them they're doing well. They relax. And from there, we change it completely. And then we go on to activity. So it's empowerment. So they're relaxed. Next, And we clap in between each section, which is also very important. And then we go on to empowerment, which is to do with percussion, to do with singing. And they do as they want with music. And we get them to show, and we clap. Then we put on the Elvis Presley and the Lively and the balloons and the um, things, and it's really getting the endorphins going. It's party atmosphere. We have to help carers get into the party atmosphere. Sometimes they're a bit sort of pole-faced about it, you know. And then they realize it's for them as well. So they get the endorphins going around their body, and we finally finish off with relaxing. And there's a little bit more to it, but I think that's probably just the essence. And yeah. then we close the ritual by playing the bells again, thanking them and taking them to go home. So there's a ritual to it. And the clapping of each section is very important because if you are autistic, very often it's good to get that movement onto the next thing. Mm. works completely. But it was based on 50 years of me working in the art of movement. So, you know, it wasn't something that's just come along slowly. It's something I went to America, came to the did not work here worked with able disabled worked with um, uh, um, executives who were getting stressed out or had me etc the whole range and out of this evolved this program
1: did you realize you would be in that position of helping to transform all those people's lives and no. running a charity and yeah, no. getting an obe and awards yeah, for all no, this great no. work
0: no, I've been lucky in that I've always been enthusiastic, I think. And I've always, you know, what I'm doing, I, and I love people and I love, you know, I love life. And I I intuitively know that we've got to make this connection and this flame and, and the arts, of course, you know, getting involved in that way. Um, no, I think I've just loved life. And I mean, there have been, there are times when you don't love life. But I think my way has always been to get back on my bike and do wheelies. And I think that's what I want to teach people, really, you know, if they need it. And I think society, very often there's a sexual society which is different. Wants you to sit in front of the television. Wants you to watch something. Um, wants you to buy the car. Um, because the car will make you happy. It's not very good for making money. But it's not good for keeping that flame going. And I think, in a word, I want to see that flame. And I want to see people's light in their eyes. That's almost the tick box is the light there no you know are they beginning to get stressed and go through the motions and helping them to understand that that's danger that they better just begin to love themselves and find a way in getting the end of themes around who was it said he was the guru of jogging you never find a depressed jogger did you know that
1: <laughs> i love running Good. I need you to look do at, more of it. I look as if
0: to do <laughs> and I not very good runner. Um I, I would do a two mile or I start off going just round the block. So I'm not a runner, but I was always happy when I finished my jog and came in and sat down. You know? So again, you know, you're probably the look of you a good runner. You probably do ten K's and things.
1: I used to, yeah.
0: Yeah, there we are. Yeah, I can see. And that's great. Yeah. But on the other hand, I would, and nobody should be put off by the fact that the, I used to go around, I was in my 40s, and I would put a, a beanie over my head, and I got in the dark, and I'd think, okay, I'll run to the next lamppost, and then I'll walk, and then I'll run to the next lamppost, and I'll just go around the block, which was literally a couple of hundred yards. Mm. But then I felt a bit better. So I did a bit more. And a bit more to my level, you see. So that's anything is better than nothing Mm. is my actually motto.
1: You mentioned your great saying about wheelies. Can you talk Mm. us through that and what you mean by it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that in a nutshell, that's almost what it is. I mean, life isn't a bed of roses. In fact, I mean, it's very good that we try to look on the bright side and we smile at each other. and, And in Facebook, you put all the good things. But... There's another side as well. Now, again, all these things are very subtle. You've got to be careful because if you look on the, on the things that go wrong, you pull yourself down and your energy goes and that light goes out and it's not good for you or other people. So it's a delicate balance. But in fact, we always fall off our bike, don't we? There are so many times in life when you fall off your bike and then you've got to just, just shake yourself down, have a sigh, have a cry if you like, have a little rest, but get back on your bike and do wheelies. And I say do wheelies, you know, you don't have to do whatever you like. You know, might not do a real wheelie, <laughs> but you have to, be able to have a positive attitude. See, I believe in hope, mm. and I don't mind how, how you decide on hope, but hope is the secret of it all. If you have got hope, when the bad things come along, you'll give up. So, you know, hope, you've got to find hope somewhere, and then you've got to have this positive attitude to life. And I say got to, you haven't got to do anything. But if you want to have a life of fulfillment and happiness, that's what you've got to. And when you're young, I think, you know, in schools, we've got to help youngsters. We've got far too many suicides. And life is not easy. Many of them um, have, I mean, might have a deprived home, so it's not easy. When you get old, then I think, again, it, life is not easy because your strength is going, your purpose is going. But you've got to. Got, you've got to find a, a way to get back on a bike, make a bike yourself if you like, and to do it. you has got to. I mean, I think when I'm really, really old, or when I was ill, because I was ill, um, I thought I'm, I can't do anything, I'm no use to anybody, um, I've had my life, um, I don't feel even able to have an affirmation, I'll think of a word. And I just thought of a word. And then I thought I can send good energy to somebody else, because you know, this butterfly in one continent flaps its wings, has an effect on another continent. And that's a scientific fact. So I would just send out energy or love or connection to a group I knew or to an individual. And you know, immediately I felt better. Because really? I was being, yeah, because I was being, because I felt I'd made a difference. You see? Now then, so I had a purpose. So, you know, when you're really old, it might be as small as that. But we've got to help people to do that.
1: That's very giving for you to be, you know, in a situation like that where you might be feeling ill, but actually you're yeah. wanting to give to someone else. Well,
0: no, it was very, it was selfish. In oh, a sense. really? Because, you know, all these things, I believe it's, you know, we want a give, give situation and we have to love ourselves and others. But you see, here I was lying in bed feeling useless. I spent a little bit of time just with my thought sending it out with a beautiful perhaps image of a a waterfall. I can't remember what it was. But then I felt better because I felt suddenly that in a very, very small way I was being purposeful and had made a difference. So I felt better. So it's a give-give situation. That's what I think we're aiming for, where we each help each other and are helped.
1: So you got a an OBE for your work. Mm. Was that with the Touch Trust?
0: Well, it was the beginnings
1: of the Touch Trust, yes. Mm.
0: It was for my work in college where we got the Sports Centre for the Disabled, which again was a new concept. So it was a concept of social um, respect, um, whereas before it had been the wonderful work of Gutman um, and Stoke Mandeville. But that was, if you like, a rose out of medical, which was correct, which was right. But we were taking it further and wanting able... And disabled elite athletes to work together. And so we got an area where every station could be fitted for able and disabled. Okay. So you could work together. And Chris Hallam, who's a wonderful athlete right at the very beginning, who's now died and John Harris, who is still alive. They were the two people who started something called push, which is people versus um, handicap. And I was, I was lucky enough to be linked with them and you at Parkinson, who was the, the planner. And we got it going in our college. And my students are wonderful. And I mean, that was 30, that was 1996. Uh, and I still get students telling me, I'm a headmaster. I'm doing this. I'm a planner. And what we learned together with you still rules my life. So, you know, it's, it's basically it's about respect for each other which includes oneself.
1: Hmm. How was it actually getting the OBE?
0: Wonderful. Oh,
1: my goodness.
0: That was such a surprise.
1: Do you I've... just get a letter through the post then? Yes.
0: And I got it on the train and I thought, oh, I won't. Well, I got it, Thought so i would open it on the train. Couldn't believe it. It was just so wonderful. And again, you see, people were generous. Writing in about me Mm. and making all that effort for me And of course it has been tremendously important in the work. I do because it it helps open doors I think to some extent I've my life has been too careless and busy doing all these things. I love To bother much about all these things. I think now I am beginning to think Oh, decalist you know you made lots of mistakes in life um you might have been very foolish in times and hurt different people but you have done something good and i think we can all say that really when we look at life if you're honest we've been very foolish at different times or or uneducated maybe we ought to say and and there's a lot that we've done that's good i suppose you know so The OBE was great, and I loved going in. The nicest thing, I think, was we hired a chauffeured car, Mm. stayed in Browns with my family the night before, and went to – then we actually were stopped outside the gates where they went through. Was there a bomb there? And then we rode through the gates of Buckingham Palace. Oh, really? And that was such (laughs) a lovely feeling. And then the whole thing, you know, they do it well. And I think Prince Charles gave me my OBE, And I thought he would just fiddle with his cufflinks and talk a bit. But you could see him with the others. He gave you his attention. He'd read it the night before. He asked the appropriate questions. And he never took his eyes off you Mm. until you had been told to move away. And after that, he would go to the next one. Now, I think that was terrific. That took commitment and energy and the sort of light I'm talking about Mm. and the, the respect it's great life, you know. Mm. But we've got not got to weaken and we've got to keep those lights going. And I think <laughs> whatever we do, you know, you with what you do so cleverly in your work, artists, anybody really, that's what we're doing is trying to keep that light going for ourselves and for each other. And if we begin to feel it lessons for ourselves, or that we haven't bothered to get that smile on somebody else's face, then we're failing.
1: What would you say to someone then that you think they might say, well, I haven't, I haven't got the lights, how do I find it?
0: Right. Now then, that's happened to me. and I think it happens to us all the time, you know, I think more than once. And for me, I read Goethe, my son laughs because this is such a paraphrase of what he said. Every day you should think of something beautiful, look at something beautiful and listen to something beautiful. Now, that's so deeply psychologically right. So I, this happened to me. I was like a chicken with my head cut off. And I was busy. I was a single parent. I, my job at that time was going through a difficult time. And I thought, I haven't got time to go to a meditation class or go to the gym. Or, and I haven't, got, I haven't got enough repose to sit down and relax. But I thought I could do that perhaps for five minutes a day. So I would sit in a chair or I would do it in bed breathe deeply, just relax. And I would think of these three things. Six months later, I thought, I'm happy. Well, I think it was less than six months later. I think it was about six weeks. And in my case, I would saying, I'm skydiving. But you see, actually, that's mindfulness. Now, the only thing about mindfulness, it can be taught that it, even that becomes difficult. You're trying to be an hour sitting down and being mindful. And I really believe that that's what i believe is that i have these hooks that are useful i'm a very practical person so it can be simple anything is better than nothing is my motto but you see there you're filling your mind with something positive rather than negative you're you know it, it you're in your mind you're looking at something beautiful you're switching the whole thing around so certainly you're breathing more deeply and that's very important i mean if You've got nothing else that you can do, just do three deep breaths a day. Even that will begin to change you. And stay with the breath, because that's a very good way of meditating. But suddenly, instead of the glass being empty or half empty, you're beginning to think of something beautiful, listen to something beautiful, and it can be just for five minutes a day. But it will always then get more and more and more. So it's as simple as that.
1: What do you think is the keys to happiness?
0: Well, again, the win win situation where you're helping each other in a, in a way of you're being useful. I certainly don't think it's in acquisitions. I certainly don't think it's to do with, you know, making huge amount of money. I mean, I suppose that can be for some people because that's their aim. But that's not it. I think it's to do with having a fulfilled life. Um, in a way, I think the acquisition of things is quite anal and is being used as a substitute for empty lives. Having a hope, you've got to have a hope. Um, and I believe, you know, in magic, that, okay, you know, it may not seem we're all material. It's not about only material, whether you find it, uh, faith in different ways. You've got to believe there's more to this than this material world, I believe. Now, that takes a bit of a leap of faith. You get C.S. Lewis and I think his writing is marvelous. In fact, I've got a book there by him. But it might be—I don't mind how it is. But you've got to believe that there's more than this material world, and we know it. We know it through art. We know it. We know it in love. We know it. Um, we know it intuitively.
1: Why? What do you understand as outside of this material world? Then
0: I am a Christian. But I th- but I say that because I think I don't want you to think that that's the only way. Is to have some, an understanding that there's more to life than this material. I believe in as below so above. So it's almost scientific that there are scientific truths which which echo the material to, truths but are different to it. And I think we reach towards that. We reach towards that. Uh, finer understanding. See, there's the expl- I'll give you an example. The explosion theory is a geological theory. It's called the chaos theory. That if there's an explosion underground, there's always a result somewhere, somehow, sometime, may not be in the place you expect it, or the form, or the time. Now, that can be taken spiritually. And I've certainly proved that. That if you give out energy, good energy, you will always find something good has happened out of it. Maybe... I've, Years later, maybe not in the form. So I think these are sort of scientific truths in a spiritual way that I reach towards. And I find that it it makes me um, know that there's more than the material world. Is that explained
1: a little bit, Matt? Because it's yeah. difficult, isn't I'm it? I'm being brought into your world, definitely. Well, mm-hmm. I think you're really big on energy, aren't you? And Yes I can feel great energy when I'm around you and I speak to you and
0: essential, yeah, yeah, and I think when we feel our energy dropping and when we feel stressed, we've got to do something about it, and those are the things that I'm suggesting you do that you begin to relax, you begin to think something beautiful. I think our energy goes when we become negative, you know, um and I think actually sometimes work makes you negative makes you um Stress on the material only and the material is important but yes dance jog, think of um, the Beautiful things beyond you We know it. We see it all the time. Don't we in every day, you know, love parents loving their children Us loving each other neighbor doing a good um, a good kindness to somebody else. There's a huge amount of that beautiful energy and lights I like to think of it as light. I'm always, you know, lighting that candle, keeping that candle glowing. It explains it to me.
1: <laughs> and you're a really big champion of kindness as well. Why oh, yes. Why do you think kindness is so important? Well, kindness
0: does it all. You know, if you if we'd have no problems, if we were all kind to each other. And that means to yourself as well. And sometimes I think we learn by being kind to somebody else, and it makes us kinder towards ourselves. Sometimes I think... At times, it would be that you have to be kind to yourself, and that makes you kind to other people. So, you know, it doesn't matter which way you start it, really, and that's the connection. I mean, I know that you you have this kindness thing, which is lovely. I remember meeting you; I think it was three or four years ago, and being mm-hmm. so impressed. With your kindness, you've got it there, that's it. So it can be as simple as that. So some people need to go into the theory and delve into things in a big way, and that's great, perhaps you as well as me. But I'm very simple, and if you're kind and you've got one life, let's
1: live it, you know? Indeed. And um, before you came in, I asked you to um, maybe bring in a book that's inspired you. You brought in... Several books. Yes, uh, so. The one um, also is quite yeah, interesting. Yeah. You said you pulled out this one. This is uh, kindness, the little thing that matters most. And this is actually we, you hadn't told me about this, no. but this is actually by Jamie Thurston of Fifty Two Lives, who appeared on an earlier episode of this podcast. And uh, so, um, <laughs> yeah, if you if you're listening, go and and you haven't heard that episode, go and check it out because Jamie's really impressive, and what she does through. 52 Lives is really clever and incredible. And, um, yeah, the kind of knock-on effect that she has through 52 Lives on all these other people is great. But, yeah, it's a great book yeah. as well. So. And if
0: you start something small, but you're on this sort of golden vein, yeah. it will improve and get more. You know? So don't think – and nothing is too little – So start with that and then look at the effect you can have. Yeah. So, you know, just don't worry. Because I think sometimes we worry we can't do enough. We can't be a nearer. We can't be a – and then you don't do anything. No, no, start with a tiny thing. And then, you know, if it's in line with this spiritual way that we're talking about, and it is, Mm. you'll just go on finding it's so rewarding. You'll do more and more and things will open up Mm. because things do open up. When you touch this golden vein – Coincidences happen, things happen that you can't really explain. So I think that's one of my understandings of that there's more to life than just the material grasping. Because these things come to help you.
1: Since I've been closer to my purpose, these sort of strange coincidences have been happening and stuff's been happening to me and you think how's that kind of come See, into my life and things so like that's that that's it so.
0: exactly isn't it mm. that's it exactly and that if you like is almost a proof that there is this other dimension that and you know, I sort of feel to myself once you touch this golden vein which is if you like reaching towards your purpose tsh- it just unfolds i mean the touch trust was one such thing mm. i felt it was a meteor going through the skies and we were lucky enough to hold on to its tail and give it more even more energy you <laughs> know brilliant. it was meant to happen and i think our aim is just to going towards those things that are meant to happen which is this spiritual thing
1: mm. i love that what's the um the books that you've
0: Oh, brought well. in
1: that have inspired you then?
0: I tend mm-hmm. to have at the side of my bed. And my bed is on the floor because my, my bed collapsed. I'm on a mattress, which I love.
1: <laughs> What's and, that? Your bed yeah. collapsed so you're on the floor? <laughs> yeah. I just love it because it's hard <laughs> and it's flat. Yeah. Okay.
0: And so I can spread all along the side now all my books, which I then tend to pick up and read a bit of. Now, one of the ones that I love is the Four Quartets. Am I getting it right? By, by Lawrence Durrell. A wonderful, you know, it's just in Balthazar, Balthazar Mount Olive and Clear. The, it just is such a beautiful way of writing. And this whole concept, one set of circumstances, one incident, which is seen at different times through different people's eyes uh, at, different t- at different places, as it were. You know, the, 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 I'm not explaining it very well. But if you want a book that you can't put down, I would say, look at that. The other one Mm. is, okay.
1: We'll put some links to all of these books as well. So if people want to uh, check out your inspiration, they can try and track them down. Yes, I I
0: just opened it last night just again, and I found I couldn't put it down. I mean, I think Mm. it's so beautifully written. I think the whole concept is wonderful. It just is a book that I turn to time and time again. Yeah.
1: What else have you brought in?
0: Well, I brought in the Screw Tape Letters. Now, this is C.S. Lewis. Now, this is this is quite funny. It's it's an older devil talking to a younger devil who's trying to influence things on Earth. Now, you don't have to be religious to enjoy it because it what it does it help, pulls me back with humour if I'm getting a bit self righteous, if I'm getting a bit um, fearful, if I'm getting a bit lacking energy. I mean, all those things that go for the bad life. It pulls me back to the good life with a sense of humor. And it just is a lovely read. Yes. So it's important and it's lovely. The other one, I think this chap, Masaru Emoto, who is a Japanese scientist who began to photograph raindrops or, or water and turn them into crystals. And actually what he's saying is so right. As we bad words or words would uh, ugly make for ugly crystals while beautiful words like love and uh, joy the crystals are also much nicer
1: Really, and
0: i think that is so important Mm. so that's influenced my life quite a bit um i i think that um some people don't think it's very important and that what he has done is is a bit fanciful but it's not it really and i've used it i've I've actually put water and um talked to it in beautiful words and used it to help my health, so I didn't take of that affair, but again, when I was very ill and i couldn't do anything, I just thought of a beautiful word mm. which I think was grace and i i I mean I did have fluid on the lungs, which had to be drained by nurses um every week for about a year, and um I had to have a drain a permanent drain now, I accepted. And I think the other thing is you need to accept, but you need to also do something about it. So I accepted that I was now going to be in a very different situation, but did what I could, which is where I decided to go to Japan. Actually, um, so you know, I thought I'm going to, I can write, uh, I can write a grant application, even though I can't leave the house, and then somebody else can go if I can't go. Hmm. So the two things. But I think it was then just having that one word. And, of course, again, medical help. All those things are wonderful. So I had a good consultant who was an artist as well as a scientist because she, again, believed in hope and positivity. And then I, myself, used a creative word, beautiful word. And now I don't have fluid on the lung and I don't have the permanent drain they've taken it out, which I gather at my age of, how old am I, 86, it was then, and now I'm 87 is unheard of.
1: You may have seen that experiment where, I think it was in a primary school, and the teacher was trying to teach the kids about the power of words and the power, unfortunately, of negative words yeah. and bullying. And yeah. they had um, two plants. Yes. And, um, yeah, I think that one group would sort of almost like bully the plant yeah. and talk negatively and yeah, berate yeah, it yeah. and talk it down. Yeah and the other plants, they would say nice things to it and, you know, give it energy and love and everything else. You see? And the, the, the plant that was actually bullied, it just kind of wilted mm-hmm. up. I was really surprised. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the plant that, that they kind of gave love to and spoke nicely to completely flourished.
0: You see? So there we are, you saw it in television. So the interesting thing is that these are facts that, we, that are proved. Another one is that older people, if they were given something like a plant... To look after actually survived longer mm. than people who didn't. So we know these things, but we're sort of slow in following <laughs> it up, aren't we?
1: Yeah. What's the other the last book that you've got in? No, that, that
0: is the same. Oh uh, right, yeah, yes, it is. Yes, yeah, yes. It's just a bigger version. Yes, yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, we'll put all these um, links up to these books up on online as well yes. with the podcast. So there, this is Twitter. called the
0: hidden messages in water, and that's called crystal healing. This was his first one. Yeah. Okay. And actually, at the back, he put in some beautiful. Um, music as well. Oh, nice. Because music is so important. Yeah. You know, as as you know, it's sort of music, it's words. And I mean, I, for instance, used to write poetry when I was young um, and I got a lot from it. Now I haven't got the skills to do that, but I write haikus. And I think I saw a program about children in schools being encouraged to write haikus, and I think that's so positive because there's only three lines.
1: What's a haiku then? A
0: haiku is a Japanese poem, which is three lines. And I think it's five syllables, seven syllables, and five syllables. Uh, It's usually about nature, and it's usually got a bit of a twist in it. But I think the important thing is that it encourages children and me to be positive at the level at which I think I can and use words because words are very important. Mm. And that's much better than listening to the adverts, which um, can be quite mean. I don't know Mm. if you've noticed that, but sometimes they're quite many of the adverts are almost bullying in themselves.
1: Coming up a quick advert break. (laughs) (laughs) What's the best advice you've been given Dilys by someone else?
0: Well, I think be kind, you know.
1: Mm.
0: I think that is the b- And the other one is, you know, my father, who was five foot nothing and in a heart of a lion, and he used to tie himself to a three-story building because he couldn't afford to do anything else than tar it himself. But he always encouraged me to have a go. He encouraged me to to be brave, you know, to try and do things. So the two things, be kind and also, if you like, you know, have a go You see, get on your bike and do wheelies when you fall off. says it perfectly.
1: Hmm. So I think this is kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is, one, shift people's perspective what success is, maybe away from the material and money aspects of what supposedly success is to some people. And I'm always really interested in what success means to other people. So to you, Dillis, what does success mean?
0: Well, I was listening to a TED talk where a very amazing pianist whose name, unfortunately, cause I don't think you're going to ask me that I remember. <laughs> and he obviously has got money because he's very successful, goes around the world. And he said that what gives him happiness and a feeling of success is when he sees the light in someone's eyes that he's brought. And I, th- I thought to myself, that's it. I mean, I live in a little house I've got my little car with a few scratches on it. Hmm. it doesn't much bother me because um, you know I'm not very interested in that. I've got enough to go around. I've got food. I've got. I can go on holiday if I want to. I'm very lucky, but that doesn't give me a feeling of happiness and success. But when I think of the light that I brought in, and in fact I'm watching for that light. When I was teaching, I'd be watching for that light. That is what makes me feel wow, I can really lie on my deathbed and just I'll remember that light in the eyes. And you see, I think, you know, we've got two instincts, both for survival. And we know that we go to the gym, we get fit, we eat the right food, we work at it, but also for service. And I'm trying to do and encourage other people to work on the muscles of service. So not to be content with just Sharing and giving a little bit think how can I give a bit more? How can I work on that muscle? But it's very subtle because if you start depleting yourself and Getting into a stress then You've gone too far. I mean we can't be all Neuros. We can't be all uh, Somebody who does a huge amount of things. So you've got to balance it all the time Um, but I think we should be working on our muscles of well, we certainly this planet today We've got to do that, haven't we, to survive? Mm. And it's quite easy to know that we should use less energy and that we should more sustainable energy. But it's quite difficult to change your lifestyle. And I think we've got to do that. So we've got our work on those muscles.
1: Well, you've done a TED Talk as well, so people should definitely go and check that out. But we were at an event that my wife, Andrea, put on recently with Inspire Me. And you did the keynote talk there, which was amazing. But also... There was another facilitator in there who smashed out some glass, walked yes. across it and then said, is there anyone else in the room yeah. that would like to walk across the, the glass? And there, were, <laughs> there was about 30, 40 other people in there and everyone else was like, no, that's not going to be me. So sort i of looking around and you went up and did it. Yeah. yeah. How, how yeah. was
0: that? <laughs> well, I trusted him, I suppose. You, see. you know, and again, it's quite logical. You know, I knew he was an expert. I knew that he was asking me to do something which I'd never done and would be afraid of doing, um, and didn't see how it could possibly be done. But, you know, again, extend your comfort zone. Again, you don't, you know, jump off the, off the cliff, um, just because you're going to be brave. But if you know that there are ways that it can be done. So yeah, keep pushing our comfort zone. Certainly.
1: So, yeah, that was, was that a first for you then, walking across yeah, the line? Yeah, it was.
0: <laughs> and I, I, I don't think if I, if you'd asked me to do it, I would have done it. And it is true. I mean, there was one piece that stuck to my foot, so I just had to realise I had to get that off because that was sharp. But it could be done, you see. We can. I think we give ourselves ceilings, hmm. and we don't go through that ceiling. And I'm at the moment where I'm trying to really push that ceiling that I've got because we all need to do that. And that means getting, again, more light and more energy. We learn from each other, we learn from books, and we never... But you see, for me, I mean, I suppose entrepreneurs who make a lot of money, they know about pushing, 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 pushing the limits, which is great. So we can learn from them. And, but I'm interested in pushing the limits still. And for me, it is about bringing in the light, taking it further Um, If I use a skydiving idea, getting higher, but I think it's not necessarily, that's the wrong word perhaps to use. But yeah, pushing, pushing, pushing the limits for joy, for joy.
1: How do you encourage someone to push through a ceiling when they might have fear or be scared or not enough self-belief?
0: Yeah, well, I, I take a movement class with people my age and it's very much for me because I broke my ankle in three places skydiving. So <laughs> I live in a small house and I thought, I'm not getting enough exercise on a big floor. And the, the streets were quite uh, bumpy, so that was no good. So I started doing going to um, a large hall and getting my friends along. So it was for me as well as for them. When they came, I now have a group of about 10, I think, they would see quite a bit of fear quite closed, extending less, walking more slowly, looking sort of here, being a bit, now through moving, dancing, being in touch with their possibilities, um, extending their body because they're they're treating their bodies well, they now have changed completely. They come in with a light in their eye, and they will say this, you know, they'd be quite happy to, to to talk to you about it. They feel more purposeful because we spend five minutes at the end talking about what we've done. Mm. And at first of all, people say, oh, I haven't done anything. You know, I'm 80. My family have gone and <laughs> I live on my own. You know, mm. oh, I didn't do anything. And then they'll say, well, I did something, but it's not very important. Um, I just baked a cake for someone. But, I mean, that's nothing. Actually, it's huge. Mm. I mean, if someone smiles at someone, they've changed that person's day. And that means that not only have they made a difference but I'm helping them to see that they've made a huge difference. Now that gives them purpose, yeah. so certainly they're different so but'm when we do the movement, we put on Mozart, we put on Elvis Presley, and I have a sort of a deformant, and everybody is working in their own way to that, and I'm trying to help them to be aware, listen to their body, listen to themselves, because in life we don't. We have to go to work, we have to do things, you know, the, the, if you like, the authorities, in inverted commas, but are wanting us to get the thing done, not listening to ourselves. So we grow up trying to fit in. Now that's terrible, so I say, if you're not enjoying doing this exercise, okay, do something different. Now listen to yourself, are you enjoying it? Are you thinking, oh my God, I wish this piece of music would finish, or "Oh, I don't really enjoy this. Great, do something different. So they're taking that to heart, you see. And that's what's happening. Now, so that's
1: a weekly dance a, class that you take. A weekly well. dance
0: from two to three on a Monday in my community.
1: All ages? Can I come along? You could, yeah. yes. I'm,
0: in fact, we had two young men last week who came because they're interested in rolling this sort of positive workout with older people in care homes. Yeah. And they really enjoyed it because I sort of thought, well, they, they won't want to join it, they can sit down. But, yeah, it's for all ages. And we get chairs out, so people will sit in chairs at one point, at other point they won't. But it is about community. Come along and enjoy it. You, yeah, you I'd love to. Yeah, that'd be really and good. Anybody, and, of course, this is based on the work that I did all my life, and I was so lucky to be trained by Rudolf Laban, who was a – um, one of the bauhaus people in germany and he was the berlin opera uh, master and in the 1933 olympics he did the opening ceremony and when goering and um, hitler and mussolini i don't know which one saw it he had to run for his life because it was the wrong sort of thing they didn't want what he was giving them so i and he believed in that whenever we moved uh, when we expressed ourselves authentically it was beautiful You know, and that that is what he was about really. So in movement it's about finding where you want to move and moving in that way. And suddenly you're changed. Now it's all right again for the you know, the ballet people who do wonderfully. We want the racehorses and I mean they They will, you know, get bruised and they'll hurt themselves and they'll get to the top. That's great So, you know, there's room for all these things, but for a lot of people it's not that at all It's about being in touch with yourself enjoying moving feeling am I enjoying moving or is this something that I'm trying to fit in because the teacher has said So yes Come on, Matt, you you will be perfect.
1: Yeah, that'll be good. Mm. So what's, what's left for you to achieve then? What more do you want to well, achieve?
0: Well, I want to get into old people's homes. Mm. I want to stop this circle uh, where people are sitting. And actually, the, the whole management, if I had the money, I would like to start a care home because it's about respect. Mm. It's about a project. It's about an enlivened um, atmosphere. It's about variety, but also it's about ritual. I suppose you know, and that goes both in the running of, of a home and in the running of a moving class. See, the other small, so the large, and of course Japan. And I still am very involved in the Touch Trust here in the Wales Millennium Centre, so that we can ha- we can help get more money and keep going through the difficult times. So I've got not one project. I've got that project, Touch Trust. I've got uh, taking it abroad, Japan. I've got the care homes. I do jewelry, which I adore. Um, so I you
1: make jewelry, do you? Yes. Well? Oh, wow. And I, where do you
0: find the time to do that? <laughs> oh, well, I'd like. To, I, I'm working on actually doing more yeah. in my time, and that means managing your time, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: Final question then. Imagine all your friends and family are uh, in a nice big field or at the beach and they're looking up to the sky and you've hired a small plane that carries ones that has a message behind it. And this would be, say, your final message to your words of wisdom to all of your friends and family. What would it be?
0: That is so difficult. Because, in fact, you know, I'm a great believer people are at different levels, different intelligences, different personalities. So you can hardly do that. I think I would say, and this might seem a bit silly, but God is love. Because I think when we look at that, then we can work everything out. Okay, it gives us hope. It gives us connection. It gives us kindness. It gives us energy. Okay,
1: Dillis Price has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming in. Where can people get in touch with you and potentially donate to Touch Trust? Oh, yes.
0: Well, you know, they can either donate straight to the Touch Trust, which has got a website. Hmm. I've got a website, www.skydiverdillis. It gets a bit old. You know, I need to fill more things into it. I keep forgetting to do that. And then they can send it to me and I can post it on. Or if they want to make it for Japan, I did a skydive recently with two of my Japanese friends so that uh, my Japanese friend can go out again this year.
1: Because you're on Instagram as well, aren't you? Oh, yes.
0: I'm really working (laughs) at trying to get better. And again, you see, I I find that I get nervous and I get worried with the internet. And and my little job for myself now is to face it with joy to go towards it and think, ah, this is a wonderful opportunity. And of course it's right. That will change it completely. I go into it in a worried way and get it wrong. I go into think, well, I can solve this. It's gone wrong, but I can solve it. And I either solve it or get somebody else, but it saved my energy and my lights. My light is still shining.
1: Yes, well, Dillis, thank you very much for coming in. Keep shining that light and keep on inspiring people. What you put out in the world is amazing and the legacy that you've, created is incredible so big kudos to you thank you thank Thank you you very much
0: thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you matt that was wonderful
1: thank you dis i love that chat wow how incredible was dillis even when i was editing this i kept on rewinding and listening to her amazing wise words so much value in there and if you've been inspired and moved by what dillis does it would be great if you donated to her charity, Touch Trust, which is touchtrust.co.uk. You can also find Dillis on skydiverdillis.co.uk, and she's taking over Twitter and Instagram on DillisPriceOBE. Subscribe, rate, and review the We Make Success Happen podcast. What I really like about this podcast is people are listening and taking action and connecting with the guests, whether it's donating to their charity or getting involved with their adventures and their projects. Do get in touch with me and let me know if you've been inspired by listening to any of these guests and what action you took. Just send me an email at matt at wemakegoodhappen.com. I'd love to hear your stories. And I'll be sending out some random We Make Success Happen goodies to people that contact me. If you've enjoyed today's episode, I would really appreciate you leaving us a great review up on iTunes or your Apple podcast app. It means a lot. And also, I will be selecting a random person or random comment each month and sending them a We Make Success Happen podcast goodie bag. So leave us a nice comment. Thank you very much. I've been Matt Callanan. Go to WeMakeSuccessHappen.com to check out some show notes and I'll see you on the next episode. This is the We Make We Make Podcast. Success Happen.